Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Lore Sports proudly brings to you the best racing podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, Lauren Leach, the color guy, Mark Allen, the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Hey, Loose Lug Nation! Welcome to episode number 96 of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Mark, when I think of the number 96, I think of my cousin, Hot Rod Wheeler. He was in that 96 machine. I think Kale Harrell was also in the 96 the year or two that he drove that. Uh, how about Jason Plutz in the Wisconsin Sport Truck? Eddie Munster? Uh, Matt Maynard? Maynard Motorsports really was the 96. How about Mike Meyerhofer, Roger Regeth, there's a legend, um, Terry Labonte, Daniel Suarez, Richard Childress, Dale Earnhardt, Tony Raines, Bobby Keck, David Green, Bobby Labonte, and how about a football player opposite of Reggie White, Sean Jones. You saved me nothing, dude. <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing? I thought Sean Jones, but I kind of gave you that away a couple days ago. So, yeah, that's, that's the 96s out there, folks, so... Lauren took them all. Yeah, I remember talking with you after the podcast 95. I said, how about Sean Jones? And you got a kick out of that. You know, hey, Roger Paul might have been in the 96 when he was back and forth where Roger Regas was in the tank. So maybe, maybe there, but I uh, I doubt it. So <laughs> otherwise, you grabbed them all, man. All right. Sorry, man. Uh, well, we got a cool episode today. We're going to have... Um, a uh, guest on today by the name of Phil Smaji, excuse me, I messed that up. Um, he is such a cool guy, a ball of energy. Can't wait to bring him on here in just a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I did some uh, research on this guy, and hey, he's a cheesehead just like us, man. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, got a hell of a resume. He had uh, quite the incident there, uh, but he recovered from it for the most part, and we can't wait for you to hear it, but... Uh, first, before we bring Phil on, let's talk about WIAR and some short track racing. Uh, the last week was this past Thursday, so taking home the wins are uh, in the Wisconsin Sport Truck is Casey Vanderloop, uh, George Schwalbach in the Super Stocks, Brian Monday in the Late Model, uh, Justin Fickle in the Sizzling Four, Chris Kelly only returned twice this year. He took home the Super Late Model feature. That was pretty cool. And the, in the figure eight, Mike Meyerhofer Jr. The championships went to Jason Van Handel in the Wisconsin Sport Truck, J.J. Vanderloop in the late model, George Schwalbach in the Super Stock, Mitch Opsell in the Sizzlin' Fours, Sawyer Efforts had one heck of a season in the Super Late, and Mike Meyerhofer Jr. took home the figure eight championship. What a season out there, man. Yeah, that could that truck at the end there, I was hoping Cody could actually hang out. He blew his motor. Him and uh, Casey, you know, <laughs> you know how them two get along really well. Hey, Brian Monday waited to the last last uh, <laughs> week to to pull out a victory, and yeah, that Chris Kelly ain't that something? Where he was always a late model guy, he comes down with a super late, runs a couple times, and bingo, and he wins the race there. Now, so that was quite popular, man. Chris Kelly, he runs so well at WIR. He's a champion out there in the late models. Um, nice of him to make his return from Michigan and. 
and uh, that was a pretty cool win. And and you know him and his dad are legends around there. They've been around there forever, so it's cool to see the family down there. Just like riding a bike, man, you can get around there <laughs> after you got all them laps there. So good for him. Absolutely. Congratulations to all the the winners this year, all the champions, all the people that made the season great. You know the officials. Everyone involved out there at the track, Dan and Ginger, for giving us a place to have fun every Thursday night. You know, they do a lot with the drag strip. They are busy people, I tell you what. Um, the club had a great season, so it was just a lot of fun this year, and, man, did it go quick. <laughs> it goes quick when you're having a good time, man. So, yep, all of a sudden she goes, and once when she gets unwound, yeah, it goes real fast. Yes, it does. Well, I tell you what, I got to mention some other uh, champions that I just happened to saw. I don't mean to miss anyone in these champions, but just a couple of drivers that I saw took home championships. Uh, Steve Apel was the Slinger champion, super late model champion down at Slinger. Uh, the super late model champion at State Park Speedway was Brock Heinrich. Uh, he took home that big win, that Deachins win earlier this year when we saw him there. Uh, St Scott Stankina in, at Norway Speedway in the super late models. Uh, Mark Eswine in the super late models at Golden Sands and the pro late model uh, champion one to watch out in the next few years is Kendra Cryer. Down at Madison in the late models, Zach Riddle took home the championship and at Marshfield in the super late models, Mark Eswine also captured that one. I think he's got 11 championships now um, at it's either Marshfield or I think it's Marshfield he has 11 at. Yep, yep. He runs out of central Wisconsin. He's the man to beat. It's either that or Golden Sands. One yeah. of them he has 11 at, which is just incredible. Yeah. Hey, how about Jesse Verhanger? Uh, they put a bounty out yep. on him for the late models. Late singer. models singer. Yep. So, you know, I miss, he was down at the Dells, and I actually said he was uh, Steve Litchfield, you know, because it was a 32. Oh, no. You know, and yeah, I put that out there, and some people go, no, no, that's Jesse Verhanger. And I'll say, well, he's 28 out of 32. And I'm not used to that, so I got that one wrong. Um, I'd sure like to see Jesse get in a super late and see what, I mean, a good ride and see what he can do because, man, i tell you what, wherever he goes, man, he's a winner. Yeah, it's exciting to see him. Remember when he came up at, to WIR a, a few years ago and he had uh, some good seasons up here. Absolutely. He's good everywhere he goes. He but, is, yep, yep. He definitely yeah. entertains us. Yeah, so actually uh, it was announced that him and me Motorsports, which is that 32 super late model that he drives in the last few years, it was announced that they're actually parting ways. So we'll see what's up next for him. That car, <laughs> that car has been in through the wars, man. Looks kind of tough, but uh, yeah, he, he runs that down at the Dells, but he doesn't uh, perform too well with that car. He just has it. Hasn't got the, the results that he deserves. Well, I'll contradict you a little bit on that. I think he's had some good runs in there, but, um, you know, there's been some. I, I think this year maybe they struggled a little bit, but he's had some good runs in that car, and um, they make a good team. But like I said, unfortunately, they're going to they're gonna part ways, and hopefully success comes both of their ways. Yep, so that's how it goes. Get ready for next year, huh? Absolutely. Well, it was a great short track season. We still have some... Uh, races coming up, uh, Mark. You were down at the Dells this past weekend. Talk to us about uh, what happened down there. You know, uh, yeah, the Dells, man, what a crowd, man. That thing was almost standing room only. And, uh, yeah, we ran the uh, ran the super lates down there. Ty Majeski got spun out by Luke Fenhaus. Um, they made contact 20 laps in. Uh, so they both went to the back. I thought Luke maybe... Was talking to the official about tapping, and it didn't went one way or the other. Uh, Luca found himself up front. Ty uh, 
Pass them at the end. Um, good run for time with Jessica on there. Um, hey, the trucks are running. How about James Swan and Chester Hayes? One of them classic between them two because <laughs> yeah. those two are always the best and they put the best show on a 50 lapper. And uh, Tanner Burge in the 30, 35 um, 602 car. He got fast time and man, he dusted them. So, wow, there's, a, there's another one that's coming up through the ranks. There was a pretty big accident in that Midwest Truck Series accident. Glad everyone was okay because that piled up a bunch of them. That was a major pileup, yep. So I uh, got to talk to a few few people. Yeah, there was a lot of carnage around like that. It's just unfortunate that that, that had to happen. Yeah, it looked like a, a good show down there for the uh, Sauter Memorial Weekend. So pretty cool down there. I think up next for us is uh, short track-wise, I think Mark is going to be uh, Friday, September 15th at the Little Buckaroo. We're going to go watch uh, some kids run some carts on dirt. I don't I don't think you've ever seen the kids race on dirt. I've seen them at GSR Cartway in Clintonville. They fly, and it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what Little Buckaroo uh, brings upon us. Yeah, that'll be a week from Friday. So, yeah, we're going to we'll go up there, and we'll promote uh, the kids that are running around up there. And then the next day, September 16th, is the Marshfield uh, Tundra Race, the Tundra Championship Race. With the Ashenbrenner, yeah, yep. the Ashenbrenner Memorial. So I think it's a double show. I think I understand it's an afternoon and evening show. So, wow, doubleheader racing. We like that stuff. Yeah, that'll um, be... Uh, That'll be fun. Tundra has had a good season so far, so uh, it'll be cool. Another thing here, I'll start the key up here so we get a little alarm here. Hey, another thing, how about Ty Fredrickson running down at the Dells without power steering? Yeah. And, you know, I had the radio on and listening to Dan coach, coach Ty, and it was just, you know, amazing. I think Ty didn't feel too well afterwards, but he uh, wheeled that thing around there. And then two days later... He actually had power steering, went up to the sands and got a podium finish, finish up there. I'll tell you what, I think that kid's going to be a chip off the old man's block there, man. I do too. You know, that brings a smile to my face because, uh, you know, Dan sponsored us a, a few years and helped support us. And watching him and uh, he gets so ex more excited for Ty and his family's events than he does his own self and to see Ty have early success. And he is such a great kid. We've talked to him quite a bit. He understands what he needs to do. He's he's well-spoken. He's a great kid, so it's great to, to see that. And he's young, but he can wheel that car, man. But, man, two years ago, he was way down here. You know, he's only this tall. And also, now you look at him, and, my, <laughs> I mean, he's as tall as we are, man, so he's growing fast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Excited for his uh, future, for sure. Absolutely, yep. I see a lot of dad in him, man. Yep. And then uh, after Marshfield, I think, is the icebreaker the next weekend down in the Dells. I don't know if I'm going to make that one. I don't think you're making that one, Mark. And then uh, after that, Oktoberfest is already closing in. And so Rockford crazy. is there's the last day to Rockford yep. that's out there. And I just might take a Saturday, might fly down there. It's not, not in concrete yet. Yep, then the October uh, Oktoberfest, that's going to happen. And... And uh, anybody looking for Nashville tickets for the All-American 400, they just went on sale, and I just printed mine off, so I'm all set and ready to go to that here in November. It's crazy that we're talking about Oktoberfest, Halloween's after that, and a little later in October. It's crazy that we're talking about that already, but we're only a month away. That's, that's the way it goes, <laughs> man. You wow. know, I felt that about three weeks ago when I sent out my um, sent my check out to lacrosse for Oktoberfest thinking, 
You know, when you start doing that, you know, the season's just uh, just winding up around the corner. Unbelievable. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think before we transition into some NASCAR talk, why don't we bring Phil on? Hey, we're going to the hotline? Going to the hotline. Let's do the hotline. That's good <laughs> stuff, man. Let's do it. All right, Smagical, Phil Smadge, you're on uh, the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? I am doing great, if great means having a really good time in life, but also being incredibly tired every day of it. So, yeah, I'm doing uh, tiredly awesome. How are you doing, man? Hey, Phil, how are you doing, man? Hey, when I was looking your stuff up, hey, you're a cheesehead just like we are. You're from Elkhorn down there. You know, I just spent some time down there at Ribfest down there. Love that uh, part of Wisconsin, man. Yeah, that's right on. That's cool to hear. I actually uh, born, and, born and raised in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, just outside of the fairgrounds, which were, uh, yeah, where Ribfest was. I grew up racing BMX there, so huge part of my life is that place, that fairgrounds that Rib, Ribfest happened on. I actually... I'm down there right now because they had the fair this past week, and so Six was playing, and my dad and whole family is a huge Six fan, so we had to go see that concert as a family, and it was a blast. And that, well, yeah, of course, aided to my current tired state, but, man, it was worth it. So many good memories there. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, uh, I want to go back to the early moments with you. When did you start snow skating, stunts, riding bucks, bikes, excuse me, and things like that? Um, or were you interested in something else first? Well, that actually goes right back to where Herc was at at Ribfest. It all really comes down to where I was raised right here in Oakland, Wisconsin, and what we had available. So we had at the fairgrounds where Ribfest was and the Walworth County Fair that I was just at, they had an indoor horse stable. And every, I'd say maybe three months a year, they would turn it into a BMX track. And so, you know, I grew up actually doing the regular school sports just because that's what was in front of me. So I was playing soccer and all that stuff, um, being a wild pitcher in baseball and getting thrown out for being too crazy and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but then the BMX track, I, I found about that. And I'm like, wow, this just seems like way more my speed because, well, A, the excitement was sometimes a bit more than sitting on the side of a baseball diamond. No offense to baseball players. I love that too. But just riding bikes. And, and as soon as I did my first jump, I was just kind of hooked on man, this is what I want to do. So as soon as that started, I would just be all about that. Then I found about snow skating and being, you know, from Wisconsin, our hills aren't, they're hills, they're not mountains. So as soon as I got my taste of out west and snowboarding out there and then I came back home, it made the hills feel, well, like ant hills. And so I found out about snow skating, which is literally snowboarding without bindings or like a comparing that or infusing that with skateboarding and so it made the hills feel way bigger and not being connected to the board so that got me just always of course looking for that rush like a lot of your loose listeners are <laughs> <laughs> hey you have uh three x game victories and three guinness world records in snow skating that's amazing man yeah I, once again i have to throw that uh, props on where i grew up because i probably would have been full-time snowboarder full-time moto had i been from somewhere else but with the seasons we have and our lack of vertical that just like i said made me take to the, the snow skateboards because you can get that same rush of doing like a hundred foot jump on like a 10 foot jump at a hill here in wisconsin and then also not needing to go to the hill i built a bunch of parks in my backyard so i'd literally create a backyard skate park every winter and i could change it so i like the creativity of always changing and working my own park and i could also snow skate with my goats and would, my coat would always be out there with me so they'd be like i'm hanging with the pets and i'm also having fun so it's like two of my favorite things at one time so yeah that's kind of what led me to be you know on the x game stage and traveling for snow skating was being able to do it in my backyard here in wisconsin 
Yeah, I see a lot of goats in your life, man. Uh, how did you get involved with them? I must have grew up on a farm. And what was the name of your first goat that you fell in love with, man? Oh, yeah, I got to throw that down. Well, broken broken record here. Once again, because of where I lived, yeah, I lived, we grew up on a farm just outside of the fairgrounds in Elk Run, Wisconsin, right out in the country. And so my parents, before they had us kids, they would actually, they raised goats and they milked them. And then, when we, I don't know if you guys are too kind of green on milking goats i sure was uh turns out once you start you got to do it at the same time every day and once they had kids we started traveling a bit and they took us to all these events and this and that so the goats just became pets so my first goat thank thanks to my mom of course she kind of it was my goat but she you know fed it take care of it bought it all that stuff gave it shelter but uh, my first goat wilbur that was the goat that actually kind of made me realize goats were more than just farm animals if you spent the time with them and like like i did i was playing with that goat every day and just so happened to be two of or one of the things we did the most together was snow skate so the goat would be like following behind me in all my video shots be jumping on the board i'd be actually jumping over the goat which is another story in itself of how i got my first pro model for snow skating and so people were noticing what's up with this goat in the back of all your videos and so that's kind of where it slowly transitioned to being our logo and that's why it's six feet tall on the side of my sprinter van <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into that story about getting uh, the pro model there okay so yeah once again back to uh, square one being a farm kid with skaters it's pretty rare for a pro skater to come from a rural area you know we don't have, we didn't have any we, need, we didn't have we have a gravel driveway down near a gravel road and so we didn't i didn't have anywhere to really skateboard but i loved i loved skateboarding i loved the uh the aspect of going out and filming video clips for your part and putting it together and the creativity involved and so i always wanted to be a pro skateboarder but then i ended up getting more into motorcycling i get hurt falling on cement winter was the time when this the riding slowed down and i could focus on that pro skater dream and so that led to me being a, a professional snow skater so for anybody new out there it's literally just like skateboard tricks on the snow with a modified skateboard deck more or less uh for layman's terms so um turn pro so then my sponsor paid for me to travel around and they flew me the x games one year uh, i think this was 2005 my first year going and i ended up winning the event like no i was pretty unknown in the in the game and like of course x games there was all the best guys from around the world there and so i ended up ended up winning it and you know traditionally in that those sports if you win a big event like that then you'll you and you would just turn pro you get to design your own pro model board which that was like my biggest dream as a kid um and so it came to that point so i asked my sponsor i'm like hey you know i just turned pro one x games what can i design a board and he joked around knowing i was from a farm because we always joked about that um he's like yeah if you do a trick over a cow you can have a pro model i'm like take took him seriously because i'm dumb farm kid from wisconsin i'm like well we don't have cows anymore we only have goats how about if i do a trick over a goat he laughed at me he's like yeah sure if you do that yeah you can definitely have your own pro model i literally flew back from x games the very next day that i got home i had uh I got my goat Wilbur out and I set up a jump ramp and I first I put down some like I think I had, had pizza leftover pizza so I had pizza down there for him to try and eat went to go jump over me he's like screw this ran out of the way I threw chips down I threw lettuce I threw all this stuff nothing would get him to stay still except for my friend holding pieces of cardboard <laughs> true freaking goat goat life right there it was the piece of cardboard my buddy owned but that got him to stay still and so I uh, did this trick over my goat Wilbur my first goat and the graphic designer and me, we took a still frame out of the video and we put cartoon effect to it. And the face of the goat on that board, Wilbur, became my goat logo. And then every pro model I got after that, I would put that goat head somewhere on it. No matter what the graphic was, I'd hide it somewhere, have it on the top or this and that. And then so that's a more detailed uh, story of why that goat head is 
all over everywhere, including tattooed onto my onto my body. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you were a professional for the AMA Maxis and uh, Enduro Cross Series, and also the national champion for the MM12A class at the Maxis Mini Moto SX in 2007. Talk about that. Yeah, well, that's a pretty cool full circle story that has, is just coming to fruition now. I mean, literally. So uh, the MMA 12 Advanced, that's uh, or amateur, that's uh, pit bike racing. So every year in Las Vegas, they would have all the best pit bikers come from across the world. And I mean, I'm talking French, France has the team, like everywhere. All the a lot of pro super cross riders did it. Jeremy McGrath was racing it. All these huge names, guys, biggest event. And I just was, you know, once again, small, un, you know, unknown kind of dorky kid from wisconsin didn't know what to race what class to race had only raced around really my farm and like locally and so i did the advanced or uh, amateur class end up like you know ripping with mcgrath and those guys time-wise in practice and just like just winning the event by a by a long shot i was like could not believe that it happened and then uh that brings us to current today so that was 2007 and now right now i'm on my phone in my van watching my friend that came to that race with me and he's watering his backyard pit bike track. We're in our mid to late thirties and we're still doing the exact same thing. I am, uh, I got half my riding gear on. So I'm like between, between riding pit bikes right now. So that's a pretty cool full circle thing that you brought that up when I was doing that as a aspiring professional rider in all different sports, including enduro cross, like you mentioned, but pit biking was still like one of my biggest passions. And now fast forward all the years, these years later, all these injuries I've been through, and it happens to be the motorcycle that I can ride currently the best with my disabilities I still have from my razor jumps, I'm sure we'll get into, or side-by-side jumps, I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and then, yeah, switching over to Endurocross. I did that for many years, um, finished top 10 in the series, maybe just once. I don't know. I was pretty scatterbrained, obviously, like to do a bunch of different things besides just train. So physical fitness was usually a tough point on those races because it is so physical to do those races. You have just... There is no breathing room. On Supercross and Motocross, you get in the air, and unless you're scrubbing really hard, you can just, like, let loose on the bike, take a breath. In Durocross, you're jumping. You're jumping a rock or a log or a tire or you're landing. It's like there's just such small room for air and nowhere to breathe and relax. It's just the heart rate's body gets so fatigued. And so, anyway, long story, extra, extra long. That was was kind of what took me, you know, off. I'd say off the, the pace there, but it was a really good experience. And then all the years that I raced that, that actually brought me to today where right now I'm in negotiations, um, nearly closed to go and announce that entire series this year um, for TV commentating. So to go from years of racing and building up, not necessarily the best finishes, but all the experience meeting the, meeting the people, understanding the tracks, the techniques, it's really it's kind of come full circle. Now I'll be likely just doing what we're going to do this weekend and then talking about the guys who are still good at it, which isn't me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's uh that's an awesome story there and good timing there. Like you mentioned, yeah. Hey, um, before we get into some of the stuff that you mentioned uh, previously, I want to talk to you about playing Captain America in the Marvel universe live tour. Uh, talk to us about doing some of that. So that was another rare opportunity where I was on the Nuclear Cowboys freestyle motocross tour for Felt Entertainment, who also owns the Marvel tour and Supercross and all a lot of stuff. And so they actually wanted my wife, who she's a pro rider also, and she they want they needed a pretty blonde girl that can ride. And well, thank lucky me, that's my wife. So they really they needed her because there wasn't anybody else to fit the bill. And then they kind of 
coerced slash, you know, transferred me over to that from New York Cowboys. So it was not necessarily something that I, I seeked out doing because it was a full time live on all of your time, live on the tour type of thing. And I was still racing at the time. I was still had all these other irons in the fire. So I wasn't really ready to fully commit. But then I looked at, you know, her and I both doing it. We were already talking about getting married. And so I was like, wow, if we could, you know, we both have this income coming in from this full-time tour. We could buy a house. We could, you know, start do this and that. So and it was more about the lure of, of traveling with my wife and, and getting something set up for us in the future. Uh, but then yeah, it ended up turning out be, to be one of like, obviously shapes, shapes my whole life, my career. People uh, talk to me about that quite a bit. Uh, we were the initial cast that brought the show to life. And at the time we were doing some gnarly stuff on trials bikes. Like it was literally do or die. We were riding 20 some feet up in the air on this foot and a half wide spiral that was always shaking and slippery and then dropping down on these platform six foot drops where if you missed the break or gave too much gas, you would literally fall 20 feet to the floor. And some of the other guys that was on the show, they did that. And so like, it was pretty intense initially. They have since like slowly, I'd say, I won't say dumbed it down, but safe, made it safer. So they took out a bit of the risk factor and therefore some of the wow factor, but also it made it a lot easier. On, we were doing three shows a day some days. And when you're like risking your tail three times when you're, you know, you're counting on your bike working every time you're counting on the people who are setting up the set to dial it in and get in the right spot. And like sometimes things won't be connected to be shaky. So, uh, yeah, we had to work for that one. That was, uh, that was, of course, riding a bike, can't complain. That's everybody's or a lot of people's dream job. So it was a dream job, but it was definitely a job that was a grind. We drove all the way across Canada, drove all the way across the U.S. multiple times. Um, and we I literally started doing just my with the goat van and, and my wife so we could save on hotel fees and save for our, our cabin. And, well, uh, that brought us to another whole other story in the future. But, yeah, we got our, bought our first property because of that tour. So Captain America, he – God's magical retreat to be started. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, uh, when did you start doing the Smash Bros writing shows? And also um talk about being on America's Got Talent. Uh yeah, so yeah, me and my brother Pat, who freaking I'm not the only one out there. Uh, actually, look at the Lawrence brothers in, in motocross and supercross. Uh, younger brother freaking started kicking my butt. He was, you know, 15 and I was like 18 or whatever, you know, pulled the ride and started riding, like getting to that pro level. And um, we did, I guess, my I don't know, it must have been my dad that's like, hey, you know, he took us to a trials riding show. We're like, wow, we could do most of the stuff that this, this demo rider's doing, the show rider's doing. So my dad actually built us some some features out of like old wooden spools from the farm and painted them and made them all kind of nice looking, <laughs> kind of farmer <laughs> uh, farmer rigged up. But uh, yeah, we that was in like 2003. I'm pretty sure. Like I was still still in high school. My dad just linked us up with some like local. I think we did Lake County Fair Supercross down in Illinois, and that might have been one of our first shows. And then other dealers saw us at those shows and wanted us to do one at their open house or this and that. And so it kind of led to us then investing back in the better show trailer. And it was actually my chiropractor, yeah, I guess it'd be 2011 that uh, she told me about, we, we did a show at her chiropractor and she sponsored me. So we did this, this just this free show for her to say, thank you for fixing my body before I even knew that it, <laughs> what broken really was. And so she was fixing my body, helped me out with uh, getting, Ready for racing and riding, and she's like, "Hey, you guys should think about going on America's Got Talent. They got an audition coming to Chicago." 
and we're like, well, shoot, we never really thought about that, but I guess so sweet. I made a video of an audition video and sent it in, and literally like a day, less than a day later, I, I got a call from one of the producers, and they're like, holy cow, we love, we love you guys. We, you're so talented. You're exactly what we're looking for, but what were you going to do on the show? Because we did have in the video, we had a couple, like maybe a unicycle clip or a, a bicycle clip too, I think. And but it was predominantly 99.999% motorcycles. They're like, yeah, what are you going to do on the show though? Because we don't allow motorcycles. I'm like, what? Well, that's obviously what we're going to do on the show. We're, we're motorcycle riders. <laughs> what are you, what are you They're like, yeah, you know, the fire marshals, they can't do them indoors, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, shoot, oh, that sucks. So pretty much they called and asked, we're going to do that show. I said, well, we're going to ride motorcycles. They said, no, you can't. So I'm like, dang it, bummer. So I hang up with that, thinking the America's Got Talent dream is over. But I don't know, something inside me. I was like just training my like show riding right before they called. Like, I, like it's exactly what we're doing right now. I stopped riding, answered this call from them, got bad news. But for some reason, I just went back out and just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to keep, keep practicing this routine over and over anyway, because we'll eventually use it in some Smudgy Builder show or something. So I went out and did that. Literally within an hour or two, they had, had a, a producer's meeting. They called back and said, okay, we need to try it at least. So can you meet us at, in Chicago auditions? And they're gonna, we're going to have you audition on a rooftop. So they had all the freaking uh, parking garage. They had all the uh, uh, producers and judges and stuff come up to this rooftop of parking garage because we weren't allowed in the regular building. And and they had us audition and they loved it. And so they're like, well, that was great. Like, we really want you to be on. But, yeah, you're still probably not going to because the motorcycles and we, we don't know if we can. So we're like, oh, cool. We got all our lives about it. And then let down, yeah, you're not going to. Um, anyway, then the New York. So that was just like Chicago live audition. But they have the first episodes are filmed in New York City. And they call us and they're like, okay, we want you to come to this, but we can't promise you that you'll be able to do it. We're like, shoot, that's a long drive. And we got to bring our bikes and our show trailer, our obstacles and stuff. We're like, man, I don't know. And they're like, okay, we'll cover your, no matter what, if you do the show or not, we'll cover your travel. So we go there. We're driving around downtown New York City with a freaking big <laughs> boxes of metal and bikes. And it's <laughs> so bad. And then anyway, we, to get the, we couldn't park by the hotel. So my brother ended up sleeping in the van so it didn't get robbed. <laughs> and then they, up at six in the morning to go and do an audition in front of the fire marshal of new york city on the stage and we push out we push our bikes out on the stage and they coat i grab the front brake and freaking my bike just slides and i look at pat we're like oh crap they coat the stage with this clear coat to make the lights reflect off of it for tv to make it look cooler but it was like riding on freaking ice so we both look at each other and this this new york city police fire department guy is so fire marshal is so pissed they have to be there and watch us freaking ride our bikes in this arena or in this uh whatever it was one of the famous new york city venues and uh we look at each other pat and i and i'm like we just i don't know what to do so we let almost all the air out of our tires they're just like practically flat and we winged it and just somehow didn't mess up in front of the fire marshal and he's like okay they're good we told him you know how much fuel it holds and how much we need to finish the routine and this and that and they let it fly and then yeah they just really liked it each time they kept we could tell that they were going to have us move on whether voting real is real on that show or not i don't really think so being on the inside but they just kept i can tell they want an extreme act and they they like their personalities or maybe actually they just probably want us our grandma to come on because <laughs> she was the star of the show anyway uh, but yeah it ended up yeah we ended up going all the way to the the finals the top 10 and it came down to the next if we made it into the top four um, then once you get that far, then they own, they own your, 
20% of your earnings from anything related to your talent you did on the show, you have to pay them 20% for the first five years. Then it's 15% for the next four and then 10% for the next two. So you have 10 years of your next, your next 10 years, you're paying them no matter what show you do. So literally we found that out. We're like, uh, and it was our family full circle. Again, it was our family pond party, family reunion. Like I told you why we couldn't do it on Labor Day because I had this family reunion before. Yeah, like I told you, it would go to 530. It did. <laughs> so anyway, we had this coming up. Just It was this same time of year right now. And we told the producers when they were doing the review, we like, we want to go home. Like, so we kind of started making a joke out of it because we didn't want to be there. We didn't want to make any further. We, you know, we knew we weren't, we weren't going to win because the singer usually wins that show for a reason because of them getting 20% of their earnings for the next X number of years. Usually, a, you know, a singer wins it makes a CD, sells millions of copies, that's going to be way bigger than a variety performer who goes and performs at local county fairs like we'd be doing. And, you know, we end up going on tour afterwards. But I'd have to give that out. They would own part of the dang retreats, magical retreat, because I'd have to pay them. They would have got my Captain America money even. Wow. We made the choice as as brothers not to want to go further. And so we kind of joked around on the results show. Like I was sack tapping smalls and, when they're like, do you guys, like, what would it mean to win? I think I said something like, we don't want to win. We're happy to go back to the farm or something. And so they actually had a meeting with all, after we did our results show, it was live, so they couldn't cut us. Um, they had a meeting with all the other contestants. What the Smodulars did out there is not okay. This is a life or death scenario. You need to be showing real emotions. It'd be so, so, so sad if you had to go home. Like, you have to show the drama. And we're just like, oh, high-fiving when we got kicked off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that was quite the time. Literally walked off the stage um, after the results show. They have a, a sign for the contestants: go to the left, go this way to go see a psychiatrist, or go this way to go to a pizza party. And I can understand. I'm not trying to like belittle the seriousness for some people on this show, uh, but for us, like I said, we had we'd been there so long, and with our act being a motorcycle act, we couldn't practice at all because they had to build our act, and they, ne- they didn't realize how heavy the bikes and the forces we were dealing with were, so they'd build it, and it'd either break or move as soon as we hit it. So we never really got to practice anything just except for when we were live on stage. So it was, yeah, it was stressful, but hey, it helped buy our property, I guess. So yeah, uh, <laughs> cool, cool, cool times. <laughs> Crazy, man. Crazy. Uh, hey, when did you link up with Travis and Nitro Circus and doing some of that stuff? So that brings that was actually during the Captain America days. Um, we were on tour on the East Coast, and my wife actually, well, weird, weirdly enough, they used to they used to date as young moto kids back in the day, so they were you know still friends. And we were we were in Maryland, and I had my dream being an action sports guy. I just really wanted to ride Pastrana Land and. We were right there, so I'm like, hey, you know, Sarah, maybe hit him up and see if we can go ride. And she didn't, but our other our other moto friend, Ashley Filex, she did. And he's like, yeah, I'm out of town, but you guys can go. There's there's bikes, you know, you go, go ride the bikes and have fun. So we did. And I was filming, and I, had, I was sponsored by this Killer Shot GoPro company who makes all these wild mounts, one of them, like those 360 helicopter spinning around your head ones. And so I was riding his bike, and I uh, – well, for one, I was just so stoked because I was finally riding trial end, and so I was just riding on a level that I normally don't ride, like just excited, just ripping. And as far as for my standards, and and I was also filming with this crazy GoPro contraption, and so somehow I put in a bit, of, I put an edit together and put it online, and somebody showed Travis it, 
Um, I didn't have, I didn't send it to him. I didn't have really contact with him at the time. Uh, somebody showed Travis and he messaged me sometimes saying, uh, Hey man, I'm doing straight, straight rhythm. You need to teach me how to scrub. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, dude, I don't really know how to scrub that good. It's probably just the camera angles. But he's like, oh, man, that was some awesome footage. You know, if you ever wanted to film for one of my videos, like you and your you and your brother are really talented. If, you know, you want to film some stuff for uh, action figures, uh, that'd be awesome. So then he like, obviously, I'm going to say, heck, yeah. So I, I was still uh, doing the Captain America thing. I would fly home. I would drive home during the week. We'd have a two or three break between shows. I'd drive back to Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and I would film every chance I could get. Whenever I was within like six to eight hours of home, I'd drive home, film some stuff, go back on tour. And I end up, my brother and I got some clips in that movie. Um, and then he liked them and he's like, well, maybe, I mean, you want to come like full-time filming for the next video? And so I was like, yeah, that was my dream to do that. So uh, yeah, that ended up leading into uh, filming with him full-time for action figures too. And uh, that was all back to, well, Captain America once again, because we went right at his house, and he thought I was a way better rider than I actually was, but I uh, tricked him with some camera angles and got on the crew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mentioned this uh, uh, a little earlier, and um want to talk about it. Uh, the, the 2018 incident, uh, recovery sure wasn't easy for you. You defied a lot of odds and are, and are doing quite well. Um man you you've been through a lot after that yeah that's um that's one that will never ever go away <laughs> i mean i it's, a, it, it's of course it, it, in good ways and in bad ways so yeah initially you know there was that look right away it was just it was a good thing i couldn't move anything because those first two nights in the icu i, I was uh, i was suicidal and i would have I would have definitely done something to, I would unplug everything I possibly could to, to stop it at that time. Um, but thankfully, uh, I had these, I had people around me that didn't let that be an option. And, and also because basically the first night I was alone and I, if I could have done anything, cause I'm just, I'm not sleeping. I'm just sitting there thinking my life's over cause I'm never going to move anything again. And so if I could have moved my arms, I would have yanked, I would have pulled whatever cord, you know, as they pulled the plug, I pulled all the plugs. Um, but, uh, night, uh, I think Trav, Trav had somebody drive Sarah down right away and they had initially told her that it was for broken arms and they're like, and she's like, okay, you wouldn't drive me down in the middle of the night for broken arms. And she knew something was up, but she didn't know how bad, but then also videos and word was leaking on the internet that, uh, it was Travis who did the jump and he was dead or he was paralyzed from neck down or this and that. So word was getting out that it was Travis and, you know, he had those evil Knievel jumps coming up where he jumped Caesar's palace. And that was actually the reason why he, I did the jump and not him was because he was under contract to do the evil Knievel jumps. And although he probably would have nailed it, been just fine. There's obviously there's always a chance that something bad happened when you're jumping that far. Um, so he came in the next day to be like, hey, man, I hate to do this to you, but could you do a do a video just to let people know that you're alive and that it's not him? And so that's where the uh, magical daily updates were born was because I had to do an update um, telling the people that Travis, it wasn't Travis and that, yeah, I'm alive and, and this and that. But that was the first time. I, and I don't know, just I get like that when I'm around certain people. Travis, the Nitro group is uh, is one of those groups of people that make me feel like this. It was the first time I had any thoughts or anything besides negative suicidal 
feelings. I actually told a joke. You know, I, I think the first video was like, hey, guys, I'm alive. I, I broke this, 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 and, you know, hurt all of my feelings. As in, you know, I have no feelings left because I was paralyzed. Bad joke. But it, I told so I told a joke, and mm-hmm. I, like, had not even thought about anything like that until then. So then I was like, hmm. doing that video was definitely the best moment of since the crash had happened. So then got the idea to do a video every day. And then that would make me at least find something positive in that day. Because, I mean, I was very fortunate. We all know that. I was making huge strides daily, especially early on. And still, though, every night, everything would collapse down. And I would lose lose a lot of progress a lot of nights. And I would get back to that depressed state and suicidal state. And it was only the act of finding something positive and making that video. Because I'm not... They weren't all positive, but I'd I like to look for it because that helped me. I, it helped other people too, but it definitely helped me to be like, okay, there was something good in this day. And I think it was that act of of having that creative outlet. Because I think humans, we humans are supposed to be creative. You guys are creative with your podcast that you do, and definitely you, Lauren, with your announcing. And I'm sure Merck is, you know, Merck and I'm on Call of Duty or something. <laughs> no, just something creative. I think humans are supposed to be creative. And the act of making that big every day really helped me in my recovery because i mean no matter what doctor you talk to which i talked to so darn many none of them would tell you that i'd be sitting here on a call with you guys with riding gear on battling with pro riders on pit bikes again it just wouldn't it just it's impossible they say it's impossible but i I don't really quite believe that word that much because they also told me it was impossible to over jump the landing on that side by side jump so I went in there as, as fast as I possibly could because supposedly you can't go fast enough to overjump it. It's impossible is the last thing I heard. <laughs> the last thing I was, was what I was informed of. So impossible is, you know, I think they spelled it wrong. <laughs> it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that much to you all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously so I'm still had that crazy recovery, which I, I don't, I mean, I cannot take all the credit for that. Obviously I put in, I put in more work on, that and still do than I ever did with any pro racing or riding that I ever did. I wish I kind of wish that I would have had that uh, work uh, workforce behind me when I was still racing because then I might have been more like my brother and have some more championships. But it all happens for a reason. I, I really I'm still wrestling with it each day because I have been so fortunate to get back. Like like I said, I'm now I'm riding pit bikes and I'm, I'm snow skiing and I'm doing I'm, I'm freaking walking. And so that's uh, so it's every day some reason to be thankful but then when i do get i do get back to riding and now i'm racing again and i'm like close to doing what i used to do at least on a mini bike and it's that, that human competitive nature where you're always striving for more that hasn't left but i need to like wrestle with and not let that take me take over because i just should be grateful for every time i throw a leg over a bike as we all should be but uh, yeah, right now what I'm mainly dealing with is uh, upper body. My legs have came back to maybe about like 80%. Uh, my my upper body though, my triceps and my pecs and just like full all chest muscles, just there's no connection from the brain to them, so I can't get them to rebuild. Those are still still in paralyzed mode. So um, all the, it does hinder me on the trials bike, like and like you know can't go nose wheelie over the place and backflip off everything like I used to. But I'm still you know back to riding trials mellow mellow style i uh, don't think i'll ever get back up to the pro level in that because there's so much upper body involved uh same thing with motocross with big full-size motor- motorcycles it's a bit too risky and my arms and upper body just aren't there to do it safely or as safely as i can um so yeah there's definitely some still and then of course the fuse neck i'm not gonna ever be doing some owl tricks and looking around or uh the riding position really 
affects me on a trials bike being so far forward and trying to look up with the dude's neck but on a pit bike you're usually leaning off the back but trying to get up, go as fast as a stinking little bike can and so the head stays more straight so there's i've learned ways to adapt my riding and, and what i can do to still produce the largest amount of fun which now that's the end goal it's no longer doing the craziest thing on a bike or board i can do although yeah, it's so fun and stuff i just want to do it for as long as as physically possible and so yeah overall super insanely lucky to be back have back what i do definitely but like i said as humans we're always striving for more and so that's a blessing and a curse in this case i was uh gonna ask uh if because you're so happy and you're just a joy to be around um i experienced that last year and um it's experienced that you know we had great chemistry right off the bat but i was gonna ask yeah. if it wavered at all but um you kind of went into it perfectly there. So I'm going to uh, pass it off on to Mark. Go ahead. Cause uh, that was an, an incredible. Yeah. Way. You talk about road, road, road to recovery. You said you would have never made it back if you didn't have that. What was that? Tell the fans what road to recovery was. Yeah. I actually feel like a, I feel like I messed up because I should have started the whole thing with them. Yes. I gave some credit to Travis and to my family and they definitely deserve it. Um, but now like, road to recovery helped keep my family together they didn't just help me like i will straight up admit i was i was a, a dick to my family because I, I i saw nothing initially i you know it was just all doom and gloom and and i owe my family uh the positivity for bringing me to that positive that positive point because i'm yes i do i do like to find look for the best in all things and try, try and find the positive but it's not naturally where i start most days and nights i would start so depressed and so negative and it was my family that brought me up and the only way my family had anything left in them to after dealing with me and my situation was the people at road to recovery like they were darn near therapists for my family because i would seriously beat them down and be just so sad and obviously like I mean, it was most days were just filled with crying, and that, like, how, how's my family gonna see me like that and not have it affect them? And Mike, Mike Young, he would literally call my wife and mom and talk them off a cliff each night because that's where I would be pushing them to the edge of this cliff. And so it was like, without yes, they helped us financially. They did help with a lot of uh, fundraisers and help deal with the insurance companies, which is something an athlete doesn't really know how to do properly and so yeah they did so much financially with fundraising and that stuff but it was more so the mental help they did to my family and then it turned to me which is what i will always be grateful for them for it wasn't just a, a company helping a person these were caring humans that really wanted to not only help me it, it didn't matter actually and they they made it made me more okay with whatever happened in the recovery like there was more to it than that and so they were darn near professional therapists when we needed them the most so that, that's like that's the biggest thing that that company has left with me the biggest mark is how they help my family deal with the, the crap i put them in not only just the injury in general but yes how i, how I reacted to it so i, I can't can't take much of the credit for my positive attitude. It's in there, but I, I needed people around me to help it come out and, and try and stay out. And I still do. And I think we all do. So, um, yeah, road recovery, those guys and girls are the freaking best. I will support them forever. I'm actually, we're, we're going to do some events here. And I don't know why I didn't think this, about this earlier, but every event we do at our cabin and our property from now on is going to be a road recovery fundraiser because that I will support them till the, till my last days here. Man, and incredible. Um, 
boy, that's uh, <laughs> a lot going on. And uh, appreciate those those guys and girls that are involved with that too, because we're talking to you today, and that's part why. Yeah, no, that is hugely why I, like I said, there was there dark moments. I didn't. It could have. I might not have been here, and they definitely helped me still be here. So um, they rule, and everybody should support road recovery because even if there, it's it's way more prevalent than you know. And not only do they support certain athletes when it happens, usually obviously supercross, motocross, like athletes, it's where their industry is based around. Of but they also help awareness. They have so many different fundraisers in there. I'm sure that they're just in with Wings for Life, the Red Bull deal, and they're just. It is. There's a lot more people out there, and I realize this through my social media stuff, just people reaching out to me. Hey, my sister just got paralyzed. My cousin just got paralyzed. It's not always motocross accidents, obviously. 95, I think, percent are autom- automobile accidents. So there's, now that I'm in all these groups, there it just is it's way more prevalent than I used to know. You know, you hear about one or two guys in, in motocross or maybe in car racing uh, every other year that they get paralyzed, but... It's happening all the time, and and those people really need a lot of help because I've I've been there, and it's it's something that I, I couldn't have done it on my own, and I I consider myself a fairly bullheaded, strong-willed person, and if I didn't have my family uh, and friends and definitely road recovery, I would I don't know if I'd be talking to you guys right now. So that's mm. how serious I am about how great that those guys are there. Man, kudos to them, and thankful for for all that they do. Um, hey, I want to transition into the Eva Destruction. That's coming up uh, on Friday here. Uh, you're coming back to announce with me, correct? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the last I heard is they're like, hey, we think you did a good job. And I'm like, ooh, I hope it wasn't just because I brought a TP with me last time to help spice <laughs> things up. I, you know, I was, And I was literally like, I was inches away from having him come again this year, but uh, he's got some uh, got an event to do in Kentucky, and that was a Dixon final thing. And it, it, big this and that, he couldn't quite make it this year. But uh, I think with you and I, we're gonna we're gonna make the show pretty darn good. Plus, we're not the show. What's happening on the track is the show, and anybody that's ever been there knows that it is just nonstop entertainment, and like it's like a race you just never never seen before. I love it. So fun. Man, I'm so excited to hear that. You and I, like I said a few minutes earlier, uh, had great chemistry and uh, really looking forward to it again. I have to ask you, though, what was your favorite event from the Eva Destruction last year? <laughs> Man, that's the worst question. I cannot choose. <laughs> like, I was just looking at the list. I was actually looking at the list as I asked you earlier if there was a uh, if there was a cutoff time, like a hard stop time or not, because – me being stupid and me, I booked way too many things in uh, too short a time period. So I'm actually taking off from the Eva Destruction and going towards to a pit bike race in Minnesota. So I'm like, can I leave overnight? Do I leave the next morning? How is this going to work? So anyway, I was uh, as I'm looking for the stop time, I'm looking through the list of events and then just remembered, oh, this is my favorite. Oh, this is my favorite. <laughs> um, so, man, I hate to tell you, this is the first question of the interview I can't answer. I don't know. <laughs> hey, man, that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing for sure. Uh, one of the events last year I have to ask you about was the uh, Limousine World Record Jump. Uh, you told me you did that before, and after seeing it, wow. Um, yeah, so I was involved. I was involved uh, with the last Limousine Record Jump. Thankfully, I wasn't the driver, and thankfully, I was only there as like a stunt double stand-in. It was a pit viper thing that we did with Jim York, um, who now is, uh, I think he's, well, no, he's doing... He just he does his main thing is just doing weird world records. 
episodes that we had that we were doing the, the limo one. And that guy, actually, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, I forget the driver. I hope he's going to be there again. The guy who did it last year, he broke Jim's record. And so uh, there was, <laughs> I don't know, I would say saltiness, but Jim's a competitive person. And so he's like, okay, well, now we got to work on, on re-breaking it. And I'm like, man, I... Myself and my four wheel my four wheel jumping days are long gone for world records. Um, I don't see myself being much of a part of anything, but I will definitely help hype the crowd up with you if our buddy's back to re-break it, or I guess he still has it. Most likely, I don't. My friends stay more up to date on the uh, world record limousine jumps than I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have two things I want to end with. Uh, first thing is tell us about Taddy Cat snow skating. Uh, very entertaining videos. Man, that's, I'm, I give you props for bringing that up. That's currently, I would say, one of my biggest passions in uh, in life, strange as it may sound. But uh, so the deal with the, the snow skating cats, uh, well, one, um, I just had a really amazing cat. I, I didn't even, I didn't really initiate that happening. I just, much like the goat, uh, my cat Taddy would be out with me when I'm snow skating all the time. And it would be the only one. My friends would want to, but the cat and the goat would be out there with me. So eventually the cat just started joining me. First, I would be carrying it with me, like, just because it would just climb on me and, like, want to ride on my shoulders when I'm skating. So I'd be holding it and skating around. And then eventually just I'll try and hold the front of the board and see if he wants to go down the hill as I'm holding the board. And I just worked with him and slowly would let go for a bit longer, let go for a bit longer. Fast forward the the cat starts doing rail slides and jumping downstairs and all this crazy stuff. And the reason why any of that happened, I think, because right now, myself, I can no longer, I can no longer push myself fully, physically to uh, express my creative outlet. Like what I used to do. What I love about trials riding, I could look at anything and I could come up with a creative line, no matter how crazy it was. If I could think it, I could physically do it. I can't do that anymore. But with the Taddy Cat snow skate tricks, I could think of something just so outlandish that was like shouldn't work. But if I built it right and tested it right, the cat could do it. Because I mean, think about it. Their balance is a thousand, infinitely better than ours. And I mean, I can stay on the board pretty good going those. So the cat's better than me, guaranteed. And also, they're they're just quicker. So never once has there been any like. And I test everything too. So there's never been any sketchy situations because. Cat's not going to do something that it's afraid of or doesn't want to do because it's a freaking cat. You can't force a cat to do anything. <laughs> so I think I really just fell in love with it because it was enabled me to still push my progression and creativity further than my own body would allow. And the cat thoroughly enjoyed it. And so did millions of people across the internet. Friggin' Sean White, most famous somewhere ever, he's posting Taddy's videos. <laughs> so it's just it's so cool. And it's uh, a way that I can still, yeah, still push my creative creative boundaries and bring joy to people like i used to do on a trials bike doing shows and doing videos for nature circus and that so it's kind of like a natural progression now that i'm older and and fully well not fully older and more crippled we'll say <laughs> that I, it's, it's a way i can still kind of push myself to that that boundary of what can i do creatively that can work and like i said the cat will do it as long as i do it right and Patty just happened to be the first cat that made me realize that that's even a thing that a cat would be even interested in doing that. And so Patty RIP during the pandemic, we, we lost him. I hope he's still out there doing something. I never found a body. So I still have hope he's out there somewhere shredding. Maybe he's, you know, he had to move to Alaska because the snow wasn't good enough here. I like to say, so he's walking to Alaska, <laughs> but uh, 
hopefully not R.I.P. Daddy, but regardless, he obviously his legend will live on forever because he has hundreds of millions of views on the internet. I only account for a small portion of the amount of videos that people edited, edited me out, reposted Taddy as their own, and has hundreds of millions of views. It's insane. Like, there's people, people, a lot of people are making money off Taddy, and it's not really me, but when I do, I just buy more uh, wet cat food for our current cats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to end with this. Um, man, you're doing well. You're biking a little bit more. You're getting yeah. better. You just had a baby, and you mentioned uh, lack of sleep a little bit. Congratulations, my friend, on uh, Finnegan there. There's another yeah, miracle. Matt, he, he, he literally is. All babies definitely are. I mean, Finnegan, for sure, for the instance of, well, I don't know if you know, but my uh, my wife, she also had a, an injury, a neck injury. So her, her skull is fused down from her skull all the way down to where I'm fused, D7. And she had some uh, right side paralysis from her, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, she's fully fused up, and we're both broken and old. And so a baby wasn't really in the cards. And with the spinal injury, not to get too in detail, but the last thing to come back to life usually is the private parts because that's where your nerve endings end. Start at your head, wrap around by your feet, come back up, and then the, yeah, end at the private. So it was very, very unlikely that that would return to function, and it didn't look like it would for quite a long time. So the fact that we made it happen and that he came out a badass baby, I mean, I just can't even put into words how uh, – lucky that we are that we're able to make that happen so it that i believe will be similar to uh the outlet of having the taddy videos is now it's not really about me it was there was so much of my time in my family's life that was about me during the last five years of me recovering from this uh catastrophic injury that now i mean my focus is not on me it's on making the best life and best backyard playground i can for, for my son finn and providing him with know as good or better childhood than i had which i was really lucky that my parents did and grandparents did as well they did for me so i have a responsibility to do that as well as i can for him and that's that's the goal now well man thank you so much for your time it was a joy to have you on i am really looking forward to two days from now with the eva destruction announcing with you see what else uh, we can come up with while talking about it it's going to be a great show uh, thanks again, man. And, uh, Hey, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, I appreciate that. Pleasure talking to you two guys. And I mean, I'd say it, buddy, but I answered most of the questions tonight. So that means I'm going to lean on you and your expertise <laughs> this weekend at Eva Destruction. Cause <laughs> like I said, me and four wheel vehicles, we got a love hate relationship. So I'm going to let you lead the show there, buddy. I look forward to it. I appreciate your guys' time and for having me on. Yeah, right, man. Have fun out there, man. See you in a little bit. All right, sounds good. We'll see you guys soon. I hope to see all you folks out there at the Eva Destruction this Friday night. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, take care, guys. Man, I tell you what, uh, Phil is quite a guy. You can tell the energy he has, how positive he is. I just remember announcing him with last year, and we had such great chemistry to, to just right off the start. You know, Matt and I have been doing it for so many years that we start that way, but Phil and I, he just fit right in. Travis Pastrana was there. He filled in from time to time, but Phil did a great job, and I'm looking forward to doing that at the Eve of Destruction here on Friday, so that's uh, fast coming up here. Yeah, I looked him up, man, just to like to see what his bio is and everything like that, and uh, 
holy smokes, he's done a lot, man. You know, when you got a Guinness Book of World Records, my holy smokes, you know. And, um, boy, he is a he is a very fortunate, lucky man. Um, the medical has actually helped him out. He's not back to 100%, but I'll tell you what, he's a lot better off than what that was definitely expected, so good for him. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing him Friday and catching up more with him and, and talking about things and seeing him. So should be fun on, on Friday at the Eve of Destruction. You know, like he said, get your tickets because if you haven't already, you are extremely late and could be in trouble to get those. And it's supposed to be beautiful out too, man. It's going to be a nice night for that. So, yep. That was, and usually the place always sells out. So I'm surprised there's still tickets available. Absolutely. I mean, you got the trailer race, which is one of my favorites. You got the football match with the big uh, propane football <laughs> going against each other. The and, Bears and Packers, right? They paint yeah. the cars. That one one year they did Vikings, I think. But well, usually it's Bears-Packers, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you got the bus figure eights and you got some other stunts going on there. It's just crazy. Uh, it's going to be a great event. It always is. Um, can't wait, uh, for Friday. I hear Rockstar's bringing seven to eight <laughs> yeah. cars up, you know, and he's gonna, he's gonna bring all kinds of entries in. So good for him. Russell Becky's gonna entertain, entertain the people. And, and he's the type of person that will entertain you, man. <laughs> he will. And the, the rest of them will too. It is a very entertaining night. Yep. Yep. So. And, you know, the one thing I think about, too, when I think about the Eve of Destruction is Terry Van Roy and and um, Wool Robbie. Um, I, I'm going to think a lot about Terry this year. I always think about Wool Robbie. Um, man, they uh, they love the Eve. They made it happen, and it's uh, sad that we're not... Uh, gonna have them there but uh we'll honor them and and have some good times yeah, in their honor that's uh unfortunate but hey he, they're in our mm -hmm. thoughts and that's the best we can do right now man yep for sure well uh how about we get into some nascar talk here before we get into darlington mark let's recap the trucks so the trucks are going to kansas this next weekend um and remember the playoff standings um look like this so uh, Grant Infinger and Ty Majeski have advanced with wins. Corey Heim and Christian Exus have advanced on points. Hosevars plus 56. Zane Smith plus 29. Matt Crafton plus 9. Nick Sanchez plus 3. Ben Rhodes is minus 3. And Matt Benedetto is minus 20. So just to recap the trucks real quick. So we're going to lose two after Kansas. The bottom two are out after Kansas. Yep. Yep, that's correct. And we'll talk more about Kansas and, and our picks for the trucks coming up here. But just wanted to recap that before we get into Darlington as well. Um, but now we'll transition into Darlington for the Xfinity Series first here in Stage 1. Hemrick almost loses it twice in the first 18 laps. Good saves by him, and he was still running eighth after all that. He was all over the place, man. He was sliding. <laughs> Hemrick was having a bet. I don't know how he saved him half, half the time, so... You know, he got to race the racetrack, right? And That's right. Boy, he sure was. Uh, Sammy Smith would spin in stage one shortly after that. Yeah, Sammy Smith. Yeah, he was. He also got in it with, uh, with Mayer, too. So uh, that was when they both got sent to the back but uh, at the beginning. So Sam and Sammy ended up going to the back at the beginning of the race. No. Actually, watch them kind of come through there. Hey, Barry, Barry was loose all over the place too, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was. crazy, also. And uh, hey, and Jones and Heim, they were uh, actually rubbing each other up, and then there was a little payback after a little <laughs> further down the line. There was absolutely. 
Uh, Williams brushes the wall. A few laps later, he has a tire go down, and the stage would end under caution. Nemechek takes the first stage over Hamlin, Larson, Allgaier, Custer, Hill, Hemrick, Bush, Chandler, and Herbst. Williams right front. When that thing went, it just destroyed that car. The whole right side was going off of that one. Yep. In stage two, pretty clean. Nemechek takes that one as well over Hill, Larson, Hamlin, Allgaier, Custer, Chandler, Smith, Retzloff, Herbst, and Hemrick. So, yeah, Nemechek was the man. Both both stages looked like that was the guy to beat right at that time. Yes, it did, for sure. Uh, Kyle Sieg and Clement spin, and then Ryan Sieg spins a few laps later, so a bad couple laps for the Siegs. For the Siegs, yeah, they all of a sudden won. 28 was the first time, 39 the second time. Yep. Uh, Mayer gets into Kligerman, who spins major points implications there. Kligerman was plus 20 coming in, and he would lose a bunch of that. They asked him if he had went over there and talked to him. He said, yes, we did. So there was a conversation that was going on. And he said it was rather disappointing how he uh, mixed it up with Mayer. Yeah, it looked like Mayer just got in a little too hot, tapped uh, tapped Kligerman in a, in a bad spot there. So unfortunate uh, for the both of them, really. But there's less than six to go, so guess what? It's on, man. It's on. Yep. Uh, Hamlin would win the race after taking it on a last uh, or a late restart, excuse me. He would win over Hill, Nemechek, Custer, Barry, Herbst, Elgeyer, Creed, Bush, and Hemrick. Yeah, that Hamlin was your pick, and uh, mm, mm, that was hard to swallow. Um, you know, he earned it, though. He, I mean, he didn't run away with it, so, I mean, actually, you earned that race, so congrats to you, man. It was a very entertaining race. It was. Well, Darlington is. And, hey, that's only a 200, that's only 200 miles that's quick. So that's why you got to really get her done there. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, so the point standings going into Kansas for the Xfinity Series. Nemechek, Hill, Elgire, Custer, Mayer, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, Burton, all with wins. Barry advances on points to the playoffs. Creed is plus 56. Hemrick plus 55. So they're pretty much locks. Herbst. Gained all that back. He was minus 20. He took 21 points away from Kligerman at that. So he's now positive one, and Kligerman is minus one there going into the regular season finale at Kansas. So now Hemrick turns around. Now he's in the 10 car because he is going for the uh, what, the owner's championship. Is that what it is? Yep, owner's. And then Derek Krause lands in the 11 in a beautiful black and orange car sponsored by... Um, what is it, Hardscape Construction? Um, beautiful race car. Good to see Derek's got a shot. Let's see him perform. Got top quality stuff there with Colleg. He's ran uh, well in Colleg stuff before. He's He ran well in the truck race at Milwaukee. He's got some momentum behind him. Hopefully uh, this thing can take off for him. He deserves it. Yeah, so that's a good news that came out down the line there on that on that one. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing Derek back in the Xfinity Series with Colleg Racing. Uh, the Cup Series at Darlington the next day. Bell has a long stop early because the jack fell. Stenhouse was speeding on pit road. First stops of the day for a couple of playoff drivers don't go well. Chastain overshot his pit. The 23 had a, I don't know if the hose was kinked or coiled wrong or whatever. And they were wondering if there was enough air pressure in the line that was actually going to be able to tighten the tire down. So, um, and then... Once when the stage was over, well, Wallace tried to stay off the 22 of Logano, and he spun out, so the caution came out. But uh, that little contact sure messed Logano up. Yeah. Um, 
Bell would also hit the wall decently hard, but would continue. Hamlin wins the stage over Reddick, Larson, Harvick, Blaney, Keselowski, Elliott, Bell, Busher, and Almirola. And yeah, unfortunately, uh, Bubba spins coming to the stage, fin uh, finish, and makes contact with Logano, which would... We wouldn't have known that Bell hit the wall that hard until they had the camera in turn four looking up the, the front stretch, and he hammered that wall. He did. But the car, the car held up, but... Tell you what, the only best thing that was for Bell all week was that he won the pole, and after that, it kind of went all south. It did, yeah. Uh, in stage two, Truex has a loose wheel on one of the stops. Yeah, that's that's my pick right away. So, yep. So he had to come back in, and he ended up two laps down, and he got one lap back, and then later on, he got a wave around due to the stage and got back on the lead lap. But he was he was poopoo -poo all day. He was <laughs> he was terrible. Uh, then it cautioned for the lights going out, the inside lights in 3 and 4. They were out for some time, but they were getting worse. And then under that pit stop, a huge fire. Busher had a fire on that stop, and the tire changer stayed working. Unbelievable. His name is Dalton Leonard, that tire changer. And did you see the video that RFK put out there uh, recently? Awesome. <laughs> it was. He was standing right over flames, and the, the car took off, and it was in flames, and like, yeah, uh, stay in there and do your job, right? Well, that's what he was saying. They interviewed him, him and the Jackman, and they put this video together and explained what was happening. And he said it's just a part of it. The video, if you haven't seen it, I know it's on X under RFK Racing. Go check that out because uh, it's quite the video. Yeah. You know, when the lights went out and then they were asking the drivers, and I think Harvick was the one that came up and said the best, that it was actually putting a shadow across the wall and the, you know the most important part is being up tight against that wall and there was no lighting there it took them 10 laps to figure out how to shut it down for a little bit to fix the lights but i can definitely see where the driver's point was like it is so vital to be up close to the walls and that shadow was casting across there so you really couldn't couldn't follow through with that yeah and speaking mm -hmm. about harvick um a little later he kind of has an interesting line there he doesn't really get up towards that wall but he makes that line work and it does yep and that's how he gets around there it's almost like darlington he has his own line and atlanta he has his own line you know the the harvick line the is Har so yeah. you want to call that one too at darlington uh shortly after that uh fire and pit stop bj mcleod blows up and then cindric crowds gibbs they hit the wall and cindric spins Briscoe also brushes a bell and bell spins. It would be a one-lap shootout for the stage. One-lap shootout. Oh, boy. And, then, yeah, once again, the the uh, Xfinity winner, Hamlin, boy, he sure seemed like he had everybody covered at that time. Yeah, that was my pick for the cup race, too, so he was looking good. He would win that stage over Larson, Jones, Reddick, Byron, Bush, Blaney, Austin Dillon, Kozlowski, and Stenhouse. Jones sure has a way of getting around there, man. He sure, uh, he was running good, and I was, he won that last year, and I was wondering if he was going to pull that off again this year. He is one to be looking for there for sure. Um, be interesting to see what the Toyota connection for Legacy Motor Club uh, comes up there, and now it was just announced that John Hunter Nemechek will be in that 42 next year when they switch over to Toyota, so be interesting how that team does next year when they switch to toyota with those two drivers all right we'll see where that goes and then uh yeah we can just sit back and see what's going to happen with gregson you know don't know where he's going to be as long as he gets himself straightened out but i have a feeling you'll find him back in xfinity next year 
Yeah, we'll see Xfinity or trucks, it, it sounds like, uh, yeah. coming out there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, at the final stage, in the final stage, I should say, Larson hits the wall decently hard and starts to fall back a little. It also came out of gear. Reddick also doesn't know what gear he's in, and it, it also came out of gear on him. So uh, anxious moments for the 45 and the 5. Well, you know, it's, it isn't just like the stick comes off, you know, it's progressive shifting like that. So, yeah, you'd have to try to remember what gear you're in and how that works out. And then right away, Hamlin thought he had a loose tire, and he raced on in, and he ended up a lap down. And the pit crew couldn't figure it out of where the loose tire was. And they were shining a flashlight looking at all them divots that are on inside the rim, and they never found it. It was just, I don't know if it was equalized tire or what the whole deal was with that. Yeah, it was unfortunate for sure for the dominant car of the day, and also unfortunate for me, but um, unfortunate for that 11 crew. Yeah, and then, he, you know, he was, he was all along was going to get the lucky dog if it actually happened. And then finally, once one, uh, the leader caught caught the pack, and then um, the one time once when Hamlin had a chance, he was involved in an accident. So if you're involved, you don't uh, get your lucky dog. So he never got it back the rest of the race, man. Nope. Um, Reddick, or actually Yaley smacks the wall, no caution. He would go to pit road, and then Reddick gets into Newman while leading pretty good. Bush hits the wall twice. He pits. Newman then spins while they are pitting. Harvick, who chased down Reddick, was trying to pit but didn't make the line. He pits. Unfortunate for him, so it would be a bigger penalty. Others avoided going down pit lane. What a story that would have been for Harvick. Man, uh, Clark, Kyle Larson would win the race off of pit road, but actually what started that is Reddick saw Harvick trying to pit. He slowed down, and Newman... Had to get on the binders hard and just looped it around. Why did Harvick pit? I just stood there like, what are you people doing? All he had to do was drive through and get back on the racetrack. He would have lost a couple positions. But this here was a penalty and you got to start all the way at the back. I don't understand why they pitted that car. Yeah, it sounds like they didn't know if they made the line or not. But it seems like it happened. He saw the spin. I would have think he or the crew would have saw that the the red flag or the red lights were on i should say during pit road and, and should have done that but uh clearly a miscue for the 14 and it wrecked his race man i mean he was running what second at the time and and they pitted i just looked at the tv like what are you doing you know all you had to do is just do a pass through get through you lose a little bit of position but you at least would have track position instead of being dumped all the way to the end so unfortunate for them but think about that if that caution comes out two seconds later he makes line he comes out smelling, smelling like roses yeah, we were yeah. just gonna say the same thing um but yeah i mean just unfortunate timing there really is what it was because if that doesn't happen he's in good shape but when you're committed like that you gotta find some kind of communication say hey you didn't make it don't pit but after you pit and then you lose all that track position and just that short time you're never going to make that bag up yeah yep unfortunate for sure um bowman tries to block suarez twice doesn't tries, work tries to block he did block <laughs> like what are you doing they wreck and unfortunately burton gets involved he's an innocent bystander in that uh very aggressive blocking by alex bowman yeah and he clobbered the 99 and that finished him off right then and there yeah and then uh, Kyle Busch and Gillen make contact while three wide with Austin Dillon. 
Gilliland spins, collects Hamlin, McDowell, and Bell. McDowell's car. Do you see that going down Pitt Road? I don't think you ever can have a car that can dog leg as bad as that one. <laughs> that thing was hurt. Yeah, for sure. It was it was bad. Um, Larson and Reddick both brushed the wall multiple times in that race. Close finish. Larson would hold on over Reddick, Busher, Byron, Chastain, Kozlowski, Wallace, Elliott, Blaney, and Jones. And I tell you what, the top four there were pretty close to each other at that finish. And that Busher, man, that just keeps right on cooking, don't it? Um, unreal. Man, that team has got their stuff going. Hey, and uh, somebody that hasn't been heard from all summer long and gets a top five, Chastain. Just like Chastain hasn't done nothing this summer. And just like a lot of people are picking him that he ain't going to make the final, you know, get in the final 12. But uh, he got a top five there, so good for him. But, man, there's been some uh, not-so-good runs for uh, for the one team. And he had trouble early and still rebounded from that, so it was an extra good uh, finish for him. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, why don't we talk about our picks for this weekend, Mark, before we end this thing. Uh, in the trucks last year at Kansas in the fall, John Hunter Nemechek took the win. He will not be in the field this time by, or this this year, I should say. Um, so who do you got, buddy? Yes, it's a loss of Milwaukee, you know, since uh, Majeski couldn't overcome all the obstacles down in Milwaukee. And I got a seventh and still wasn't good enough. So at Kansas, man, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw some Zane Smith at you, man. I'm gonna have to go that direction and see how that Ford can operate. Speaking of a lull, he's kind of been in a lull since earlier in the season when he was on fire. So um I think he's about ready to shine again. I think so too. That's why that's up there right there for you, man. Well, they were actually at Kansas in the spring. And and who won that race, Mark? Uh, the same guy who won the Milwaukee race. That's correct, Grant Enfinger. So I have not used Grant Enfinger all year. I thought I used him once before. I've been saving him. So guess what? I'm going to take Grant Enfinger to win Kansas and sweep the races this that's, year. Um, that's a good pick, man. So, yeah, he won there. So see if he can double him up. Yep, absolutely. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, I go first tier. The defending uh, race winner in the fall was Noah Gregson. I am going to go with Brandon Jones for some reason. He's got to make it happen, and he's a guy that you know is going to be pushing the envelope, so I'm going to take a chance and take Brandon Jones for the second time this year. Isn't he going to be in that car again next year? He is. Yeah, so he's going to be back in that car. You want to talk about total bad luck and no luck at all? Yeah, Brandon Jones is the definition of that. Hey, man, I'm going to throw Nemechek at you. I need to catch up to you, man. I'm, what, six behind you right now? So I need a Nemechek win at Kansas. Uh, he dominated in the truck series at Kansas. I think he won both truck races there. So he sure, he sure has a way of getting around there. So I'll take, I'll, I'll give you a big dose of Nemechek. That's going to be a hard, hard pick to beat there. But you never know what can happen in these things. That's right. In the Cup Series, the defending Kansas fall race winner is Bubba Wallace. He's in uh, decent shape to to try to advance to the next round this time by well as well. I am going to take a guy that you just mentioned, had a good finish, kind of was in a lull all summer. I'm going to go with Ross Chastain. Yep, so he got a top five, and uh, maybe maybe they'll turn that around now it's playoff time. Hey, man, I'm going to throw I'm gonna throw some uh, William Byron at you. Um, boy, that, 
you know, that team has not lacked much at all all year. I think Kansas is a good place to throw him out there. Second time I picked him. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, you don't have to say that's a good pick because everyone knows that. But uh, good pick, man, and it'll be a fun weekend down in Kansas. Hey, the ARCA series is also there, so a lot of racing down in Kansas this weekend. Weather looks good, 20% on Friday night, otherwise mid-80s. Uh, Saturday, Sunday look awesome. I think we're good to go for Kansas all weekend for racing. All right, that's good to hear. Uh, any final thoughts from you, buddy? You know, I've seen some other things that are out there. Denny Hamlin, you know, we said he's dragging his feet signing with uh, with Gibbs. Well, he signed a multi-deal, so he's got that taken care of. Um, today they came out and said that the Xfinity Series, they are going to um, get more stricter on their inspections. They, there's too many loose ends that's coming into tech before the races and stuff, and they want to uh, button things up, so they put the word out that they're going to be inspecting the cars a little bit more closely. All right, that's some good stuff from you. Uh, yeah, Hamlin signing that multi-year deal also means that 2311 will continue its Toyota connection and Joe Gibbs connection for the next few years as well, so kind of buttons up a few things there. Yep, so, and we talked about Hemrick going to the 10 cars, so that ought to be interesting there. Yep. And, hey, how about our buddy Carson Quapple? Yes. Huh? He lands a ride. He runs with the Spire, number seven. And we saw how uh, Derek ran that at Milwaukee and it performed really well. And, you know, we know Carson can get around. So, good for him, man. He got a ride there, too, so we'll see how that goes. Super happy for Carson. Well-deserved. Actually, it was just announced that Carson's going to be racing that um, – uh, PRG number 28 ARCA car too so at one of the races so he got a he had a couple of things to announce this week so he's finally taking that um, trajectory and in, in getting up into higher divisions here so good to see because he's been a, a good racer here at the short track level yes, for sure man we've seen him around um, he's been paying his dues and getting good performance so we'll see how that works out man gotta start somewhere so good for him absolutely uh, anything else out of you Mark I don't think so, man. Um, this weekend, going to my mom's, her 90th birthday. So that's a blessing in itself right there. We're going to have a little like a family reunion kind of thing and just enjoy everybody's company. And then, hey, next week, man, yeah, we're going to Little Buckaroo and let's go see how the kids are down up there. We'll take some videos and, you know, and support that. And then, uh, yeah, the Marshfield Thunder Race is next after that on Saturday night. So, um, so that's where we're at, man. Got to find something else to do. Kakana is all done, you know, except for the Enduro later on this year. But unfortunately, that's all done. So we just got to go find somewhere else to go play. <laughs> yep, yep. And again, really looking forward to the Eve Friday. Make sure you get your tickets if you don't have them already. They're running out. So uh, hope to see you out there. Looking forward to seeing Phil, like I said. And hey, I got to give a, a thank you again to Tim with the Corp Racing for coming on board for this thing. We really appreciate it um really really helps us out so um thank you tim and, and everyone involved with the corp racing mark thank you as always for for making this work this week it was a little bit of a challenge so appreciate it and uh hey we'll talk to you soon we'll see you at the track right buddy see you at the eve this has been a production of lore sports hope you all enjoyed it and thank you for listening